Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another Coleman Had a Dream podcast. We've got a bumper podcast for you today. Lots and lots of different things to talk about. Um, as such, I am obviously joined with Ruth. Hello, Ruth. How are you? Hiya. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. I'm good, thanks. We went to Amsterdam this weekend, uh, which is very enjoyable. Um, managed to uh, get get out before, you know, obviously all the crowds and stuff hopefully return. Very nice city, actually. It's quite... I thought it was just going to be full of prostitutes and drug dealers and it was it was not like that at all which is very disappointing no um but uh no I, I enjoyed it have you had a nice weekend yeah we we actually we were moving tomorrow so it's all a bit chaotic at this end um but no i'm glad you enjoyed amsterdam it's one of my favorite cities it really is lovely yeah well, i was kind of surprised we went to the anne frank house which was uh which was quite a, it's quite surreal really um, but that was very, very enjoyable. None, again, enjoyable. I said that. I think that's, the, I, th- I think that's the wrong word, but you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, it was good. Obviously, managed to find a bar for the Albania game, um, and towards the end of the game, I forget who it was. So I was quite drunk, um, but someone put in like quite a bad tackle. I think it was on Johnny Williams. And after being kind of calm and placid for most of the match, because there wasn't much to get excited about, let's be honest, I just kind of shouted a rather naughty word at the top of my voice. And the two chaps who were kind of across from us, who had a nice quiet little afternoon drink, had an absolute heart attack when I shouted. Like literally physically bounced, jumped off the seat when I shouted. <laughs> and Joy was just like, oh, you're such a dick. I was like, yeah, sorry, everyone. Literally like apologizing, showing my hand like, sorry, everyone, sorry. Sorry, excuses, excuses. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. So yeah, didn't I? I didn't uh, didn't shower myself in glory there, but uh, enjoyed it nevertheless. I, d- I don't know why I'm, I'm rambling on now, but anyway, uh, I will shut up. So we have um, a lot to talk about today. We're going to talk about the France game. We're going to talk about the Albania game. We're going to do a preview of the Switzerland game. We have. Um, as I say, a bumper edition for you today. We had someone, uh, James Evans, who went to the Albania game yesterday. He's got a few sound bites. We're going to we're going to drop in as well. And you had a very interesting chat yourself not long ago, Ruth, as well. Yeah, we. I've been chatting with uh, Armut Turgat. Um, I'll introduce that piece a little bit more later. But looking at the Turkish squad. So yes, we have a very a bumper uh, pre-tournament podcast for you ladies and gents so let's get started and talk about some football um we'll start on the france game rather obviously um i just thought uh, before we kind of go through it i was just intrigued to think uh, to know ruth sorry what you thought of the starting lineup compared to what it might be like in baku um I, I, to be honest i really don't know what to make of of either game in that sense i think ultimately we might have learned more from rob page's press conferences that we than we might have learned from the games ironically um i think his performance means it's probably ward in goal um i was concerned about sort of how we came to the formation that we did but fundamentally I'd like to see us playing a 4-3-3. Um, I've got my doubts whether that will happen. Yeah. Uh, I think the front three of Bale, Wilson, James might well be how we start, but I think the sort of back seven is, is very much open for discussion. 
Yeah, I agree with what you said about uh, Ward, especially. I think he will start. And to be fair to him, you know, I've been critical of him. We both have to an extent. I think he was excellent. That was probably his best game in a Wales shirt. Um, obviously, the penalty save was fantastic. I think you can't blame him for any of the goals. Um, I thought he had a really good game. He looked calm and composed, distributed the ball well. Um, I think it's interesting. I think the plan definitely in the Albania game was to kind of experiment with plan B, which I think might well be a 4-3-3. And I think that that's why they were comfortable perhaps changing to it quite quickly or quite closely before the game is they've probably been working on it ahead of the Albania game anyway. So I guess it wasn't as much of a, as a shocker as I first thought in terms of, you know, how they've kind of come to that decision. Um, but I... I quite like the 4-3-3. I think you're right that I'd quite like to see us play that way. I think it would be Ramsey who would start over Wilson, um, personally, but I don't know. I I mean, we're going to come to how we would like to, to, to play against the Swiss in, in a little bit, but I, I, I actually quite like this setup. I like the way it kind of set out, and I think it shows that we have a good bit of flexibility as well. Um, we're happy to, to kind of mix it up a bit, chuck Nico Williams into midfield, and, you know, he was obviously... Until until the obvious, I thought he he kind of adapted very well. When you consider he's up against in that midfield, Pogba, Tolisso, Rabiot, Griezmann, all all of them knocking around, um, I thought he I thought he dealt with things very very well up until, as I say, the obvious. Yeah, I think what concerned me more was that it was a a sort of last minute recognition that we were going to be overmanned in midfield and. Yes, that might be because suddenly they were going into a diamond formation. But this is France. You know, I think whatever formation they would have set up in, a two in midfield, or at least a two holding in midfield, isn't enough. And the fact that it was a sort of last-minute switch to put Nico more obviously alongside Morel and Allen, it, it was just the how we got there concerns me. I think the outcome was ultimately good and I thought for the first you know whatever it was before the sending off 20-25 minutes it was actually really positive and I think both teams were getting what they needed out of the game at that point um clearly it it sort of all went all went to pop when we were down to to 10 men and and I think it it definitely became a, a a process of getting some minutes in legs rather than particularly worrying about how we were playing or who we were playing. Um, so, yeah, I think, strangely enough, the outcome of who we started with in Nice was a positive. As I said, I'm concerned about the how we got there. Yeah, I do agree with that, how we got there. I, I also think, though, you know, we've we've obviously listened to Rob Page a couple of times this week and a lot of time things he's talked about has been you d- the formation's not important, the setup's not important, it's getting minutes in legs. And I, he used a really nice little phrase, I thought, which was he wants to be sympathetic with the minutes, which I thought which I thought was really nice. And I think in the end, making that last minute decision is not something he would do if it was ahead of a of a of a of a real game, if you know what I mean. I think he did that because he knew that it didn't matter. All of those players were going to get minutes anyway. Last minute kind of plug a gap it, it it doesn't matter so i think that was my take on it. i agree with you i i didn't particularly feel confident with how it happened but as it did kind of work obviously i thought we we started the game pretty well dan james i thought was excellent and looked a real threat and i thought in in sections we kind of kept the ball pretty well as well so i, I thought i don't know what you think but i thought it was a, you know a, a promising opening 25 minutes or so 
Yeah, no, I think we have to be comfortable and happy with that. But, you know, it clearly wasn't our starting 11. It, perhaps it was closer to their starting 11, perhaps. Yeah, possibly. Um, and, you know, I think we have to be happy with, with how we played. We uh, we pressed them, we closed them down. But like you say, we kept some possession. All in all, it was, you know, it was as good an opening 20 minutes as you probably could have asked for given the opposition. And, and as I said, given the fact that we were clearly not starting our starting 11. I thought overall it was a good um, a good indication that, you know, we've been talking about this strength in depth as, as perhaps a little over overrated. But in yeah. fairness, I think across the two games, it did kind of demonstrate that we, we probably have got a, an A and B player in, in virtually every position yeah. now. Yeah, that's a fair point. I I still am not quite convinced in that sense with with some, and you know we'll, we will come on to that. But no, I, I do know what you mean, and I do think you know comparatively, like you said, this is not our, it wasn't our starting team, and I think that in itself is a positive um, that we played the way we did without our starting team. Obviously, the game has changed after twenty five minutes. I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued to know your decision, uh, your your thoughts as well. Like, do you think it was a penalty first of all? I think in the VAR world of 2021, unfortunately, it's a it's a penalty. Um, I think the, my fundamental issue with VAR is it's meant to be for supposedly be for obvious errors, and if you have to watch something for two minutes in slow motion 15 times to decide it's an obvious error, then there's some then it's not an obvious error. And I think that's where I actually have issue. We kind of blame the technology as though somehow there's this, you know, AI plugging its Machine, way through yeah. these things and coming and coming up with an answer. And it's not. It's still people. Um, and I think the difficulty for referees is that once they get into that slow-mo loop, they end up second-guessing themselves. And the fact that they've been told they've got to go and look at this slow-mo loop it's almost like a hand on the shoulder that says you've got to yeah. do something about yeah. this. And I don't think that helps anybody. No, it's like they're talking um, themselves into it, really, isn't it? Like, it's, yes. it's, it's, yeah. a, it's, it's a weird one. And I don't see how it was a red card. I, I don't think that's... I can understand how when there is a blatant handball, deliberate, that's clearly stops someone scoring or or you know the goalkeeper comes out and sizes someone down or, you know just something very very deliberate i can see the purpose of a red card but you're in this kind of double jeopardy situations for something that was wasn't even given as a penalty initially and it it just seems overkill to me and i know that if you're following the letter of the law, then that should be done consistently, whether you're in a friendly game or a competitive game. But equally, I would like to see some appreciation that here are two teams that have organised a friendly with very real purpose to it and very real desires for the outcome of it. And I think I would just like to see a little more understanding from the refereeing team of of what they are refereeing. Yeah, I totally agree. I was, I was speaking to someone about this in the week and he said that um, if the, the problem could be that the referee gets 
gets a bollocking from his superiors if he doesn't send him off because those are the rules you've got to look out for your own career and do the right thing so uh, i do get i do follow that logic but at some point and i know it's difficult for some of them because it is what they think but the game isn't about them the game is about the other 22 it's about the fans and people watching at home and it's a friendly game it fundamentally doesn't matter it's a warm-up if someone has gone lunging in sure send him off it's dangerous it's stupid in that instance there all you've done is make the travel of all these people all the money that's gone into it and everything else you've made all that completely pointless just so you can be i mean you can't see this but right in inverted commas like it's not the point is it and i don't know i, I it was so frustrating for me i my big question is i just don't know what else he's supposed to do someone i think it was benzema has leathered the ball at him from what a foot and a half He's, his hands are just there because, you know, he's a human with arms. I don't know what else he's supposed to do with them. And I think if someone leathered a ball at your stomach or gentleman's region or your lady's region, for that matter, I think your natural reaction is to try and close your body up and to try and not get hit in that region. I think that's all he's trying to do. It's a natural human reaction. And I think, you know, I, I, we, we do, we're not going to kind of talk too much about the, the club stuff, but... The point that you made about the, the humans who make the decisions, this is my, I've said this from the, from the get-go with VAR. The problem is not the lack of technology f- for the most part. The problem is still that there's some, someone who doesn't know the game to an effective l- level making, a de- making the decision. And, you know, sometimes people get things wrong. That's absolutely fine. I've got no problem with that. That's life. I get stuff wrong in school <laughs> almost every day. But I think when you're getting to that point where it's costing people their jobs and money and all of this other stuff it's not about the technology it's about the decision making and having common sense and understanding football to a, a certain degree and this these guys just aren't doing it and you know and and that that decision was another one i think for me i can see why he's given the penalty i don't think it's a pen but i can see why he's given it to give him a red card in that instance i i don't even care if it's the letter of the law it's just it's the wrong decision it's, it's as simple as that um, and I think it's ruined the game. I think the only upside that came from the whole situation was uh, was Danny Ward obviously making a fantastic save. Yes, it was a fantastic save, and that, that kind of lost in the rest of the the rest of the game. He, I mean, like, as we said earlier, overall he had a very good, very good game, and it was just that was the sort of apex of the good game. Yeah, I, like I said, I think we said before, I, I said before, so I thought his distribution was very, very good. And that's something I have been critical of him on. Um, so I'm, I'm glad to see that that, you know, he's obviously listening to the podcast and he's working on that. So so good to have you on board, Danny. We appreciate it. Um, I think that probably does cement his starting place as well, doesn't it? I do think Wayne was, was very good last night as well, but it didn't really have anything to do in the same sort of level. So for me... I would still start Wayne, but I think Ward will start. I I, I agree. I think also that the, there's now developed some continuity with with Danny Ward that you know perhaps it just doesn't warrant a change for the sake of a change again. Perhaps we've reached that point. Yeah, I agree. Um, to to look at the goals themselves, I thought you know because we don't want to dwell on this too much because it was just an exercise in, in in minutes in the tank really but i thought the first goal was a little bit unlucky kind of the way he's kind of got there and finished him i think you know mepham was i think it was mepham who was there was a little bit on his heels but i mean you're being super picky there I, I, you know mbappe's just kind of flicked a leg at it and it's and it's gone in it's it's an unfortunate goal it's a bit of an unlucky goal i think to an extent 
yeah i would i would agree with that and i think we were um yeah it was more of a sort of ricochet and and as you say i think mepham was was moving in one direction the ricochet took the ball in a different direction i, I think it was just luck for them and I mean, uh, the second one, you know, Griezmann, he's 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 actually quite good at football, as it turns out. He can, he can do that to you, can't he? I do have a bit of an issue with the fact that the ball wasn't kind of closed down. And Rodden, who normally does that so well, is just kind of watching him a little bit. And it, the fact that he's got in that area around the box that he can kind of take a touch, set himself and shoot to have those three touches and not get immediately pressured. I did I kind of have a slight issue with that. But ultimately, again... Most people aren't sticking that in the top bin, are they? I mean, it's just a, it's a really, really good finish. It's a great finish, but I, I can't disagree. I think it would have been, you know, we, we should, should have worked to close him down and pressurise him a little bit more in those moments where he, he was teeing it up. Yeah, um, but you know, it, it is, it is what it is. The third goal is is another one as well, where just an outrageous touch and turn and skill from Benzema to get that shot off in the first place. Um, I thought he looked excellent as a as a side note, but what a great touch and turn! And obviously he's hit the post. Lucky for us, unlucky for us, he's then gone and fallen straight to to one of their players. So you know, again, slightly unlucky. But I don't think the result mattered really. I think what we showed in the first twenty five minutes is the thing that mattered. Um, you know, you're gonna you are gonna concede goals if you if you're down to ten men against probably the best team in the world. Um, and I feel I feel like it wasn't a three nil game in the end. No, it didn't. Ironically, it didn't feel like that, did it? I think, um, like you say, there are clearly positives to take out of the game before the before the sending off, and I think there are different positives to take later. Whether it's as simple as as people getting some some minutes into them, but also I think the way we kind of kept the heads, didn't panic. Um, I mean, we've seen that in two games recently where we've been down to ten men and we've kind of held it together. Yeah. Um, so I think there's um, it's a learning experience, isn't it? I mean, just playing against players of that class is a learning experience. Even if you spend the whole day running around in circles, you're going to learn something from just being on the field with a, a, a group as classy as they are. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think as an exercise overall, there was still value to it. You know, realistically, there is a chance that we could have to play with ten men against a good side. So. You know, yes, it's frustrating. Yes, it's annoying. There's still there's still a value to that. Um, I think it was good to see kind of people get minutes. I think it was good to see people have a run around. I think it was good that Ruben Colwell got on for his debut. So that so that's not kind of happening in in tournament football. Um, it was good to see Aaron Ramsey back on the pitch. It was good to see Ben Davis back on the pitch. Um, same as well for 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 Dye Brooks. So all all told, in terms of an exercise of what you want to get out of the game, I thought. Despite the outcome and the, obviously the the cock up with the referee, I, I thought it was still a, a worthwhile exercise. Oh, I, I can't disagree, and I think it was important to um, when we get onto the Swiss team, we'll talk we'll talk about how high they press and how how sort of harried they make the other team and close you down. And I, I think it was it was a good preparation in that regard to be to be playing against a French side who have a similar style and playing against them with 10 men ironically because it was all the harder then yeah I, I think so too and I think that when you kind of look at the the way the game went obviously again in the first 25 minutes we're pinning a lot on that but still it, it was the most important part is that I think playing a team like that in a weird way actually kind of suits us 
when they're pressing us, it actually forces us to move the ball about a bit better. I think we prefer to play on that front foot with where we're kind of pushing and chasing and, and trying to harry people ourselves and kind of turning over the ball in the middle of the pitch, that kind of transition section. I think playing that way suits us a little bit more. So it, it did really, I think, really focus us as well on <laughs> on how we play. And I think that is just as important as, as, as talking about how we react to the other team as well. I think that focus is is an interesting observation, Dave, because I don't think we were focused in the Albania game. And I I actually think the the fact that we... I'm glad we played someone of the quality of France in the end because I think we actually gave it the attention that was needed. I think we were a little um, laissez-faire against, against the Albanians, particularly in the first... I mean, we'll talk about that more, but particularly in the first half. And I, I think... It, I think in hindsight, it's good that we had someone of the quality of France in the in one of the games because I, I think we would be having perhaps an even more concerned conversation if perhaps if we'd played two Albanians. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. And I think, you know, uh, you, like you said, we'll come on to the Albania game now, but I think playing against a team like that, you can't kind of coast through. And I think that's what we did do a little bit in the Albania game was it was very much a case of I do not want to be someone who gets hurt in the last friendly before the tournament. Um, yeah. and, and I think you can't do that against France. I think they, they're they too good for that. And I think <laughs> you get, you'd get you get kind of embarrassed and, and thankfully we didn't. So um, I think that, like you say, it helped to play that sort of team first. And I think it kind of probably is a little bit of an alarm call, not an alarm call, like a little bell in your mind or whatever that's a bit like right bloody hell this is where we're going that's the level we're up against here you know we've got to be you know you've got to check yourself a little bit there against against a really really good side um to to look at the albania again game then sorry um obviously just to to look at the lineup a little bit i would describe this one as a little bit more experimental shall we say um i think from we looked in parts like we were kind of playing a five at the back we looked in parts where we were playing four at the back and i i think someone commented on something we said on twitter and, and said i think it's one is when we have the ball and one is when we don't have the ball but i don't think it was as simple as that i think we seem to be drifting in and out of that formation depending on where the ball was as opposed to who had the ball which i know sounds like a silly thing to say but i think that kind of differentiation is quite was quite interesting i mean obviously good to see hennessy in goal Ampadu sort of playing nominally playing right back. I'm not sure how I how I felt about that. Um and I want to talk about Tyler Roberts at, at one point as well, but I think it's also really interesting that Mepham started both games. To go back to the formation point for a minute, I found it interesting that on the FAW's Instagram account, their sort of you know the your standard sort of image of the formation. They put it out as a very clear 442 yeah. with Brooks and Roberts um, at the front. And the reality didn't seem anything like that, really. Um, and I'm, as you say, I'm not sure if that was just, I mean, illustrative um, or the, I, I see there seemed to be some confusion around Ramsey's role in particular. Yeah, I thought that which you know was was he partnering with alan or or was he a false nine or was he anything in between and there seemed to be moments in the game where he was trying to do all of those at once and none of them at once and um it was it was 
it was a very strange I thought positionally the, the the players were very strange both Brooks and Roberts were so wide that Ramsey tended to come through the middle but then because they were so wide um Norrington Davies in particular on that side and and kind of was it sort of Ampadu sort of Levitt on the other side yeah. really didn't have any space to run into because Brooks and Brooks and Roberts were so wide further forward. So you kind of lost that capacity to have wing backs running into space. Um, and, and then because Ramsey was pushing up, you have this huge hole in the middle that a lot of the time just Allen seemed to be covering. Um, ironically, I thought Levitt and Norrington Roberts had were perhaps two of the better players on the field, but more more um more by accident than design more by how they were playing than what they were asked to play if that makes sense yeah i think the way i looked at it was that i think the idea was you go out you're playing here you're playing there crack on lads go and go and have a run around basically and i don't think there was much attention paid particularly to who was playing where or why they were doing it it was just an opportunity for people to get minutes in their legs and it came across very weird and haphazard and i think that's probably because they hadn't really focused on how they were going to approach it i think they probably looked at it in a way of right i need to get and produce some game time you know you know we, we're starting the game with with three fullbacks ultimately four fullbacks <laughs> in a bizarre way with yeah. with with the, with the team that we had out there three sorry yeah so but you know it was still I think it was more an exercise in the minutes and I think that the formation didn't really matter I think the only thing that did concern me about it is that we did look jumbled and that is going to mm-hmm. happen in that sort of game and I don't really it didn't kind of get the best out of anyone. It, 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 there was a point where obviously we changed at half time, but it all, almost felt almost futile up until that point because yes, we were getting minutes in legs, but there was also was no actual kind of football purpose to it. It was it was quite <coughs> surreal. I thought um, not a, not a great game, obviously, especially in the first half. But then Kiefer Kiefer Moore comes on at half time um, and has kind of has changed the game a little bit. I think. Um, his, you know, Paige said afterwards he's giving him a headache. Well, I'm intrigued to, to to know what the headache is because it can't be a surprise. He's had the best season of his career. He scored 20 goals, I think, for Cardiff. He was their Player of the Year. Um, so it, I, I was again just I just some more interesting terminology, phraseology. Sorry, because it, when you actually look at the game itself, there wasn't really anything to talk about. Um. To, to carry on with your thoughts about Kiefer Moore, but I, w- I want to come back to Ampadu, but to carry on with that, I think we're going to have an attacking three of some sort. I'd like to see Bale and James on one side, and then I think the question is whether it's, for me, it's whether it's Wilson in the middle or Kiefer Moore in the middle. The, the problem then is where are you putting Bramsey? It's a lovely problem to have, but where are you putting... If you've got a back five, if you've got a back five, where are you putting Ramsey? And so I, I'm, I still think we just work better in a 4-3-3. Yeah, um, I know what you the, mean. The headache, business, the headache business with Paige, I actually find it a little... I find it a little strange, to be honest. So if you look at the eight games that... 
Page has been in charge, we've scored seven goals in those eight games. Um, the only two that have been scored when Moore's not on the field are the the opening one that Wilson scored against Belgium and the opening one that he scored against Finland. So ironically, when Moore's not on the field, the goals seem to be coming from Wilson, right. which is one of the reasons one of the reasons that I think it might be a straight choice between the two of them. I think Page is leaning towards the false nine with Moore as an impact sub for 20, 20 minutes. And I, part of me, that's not such a bad scenario if you've got enough attackers on the field. I think our difficulty is that we we want to be solid at the back and we have to be solid at the back. I understand that. But if we do it by having five, it leaves us with so little happening up the field. Um, I, I, I feel... I can see why he used the word headache, but I don't think it's about Kiefer Moore per se. I actually think the headache is, are we playing four or five at the back? I think actually that's where the decision is. I think I think you might be right. And the, the one thing that this did make me think as well is, these are the first games where he's kind of like solely in charge. And I've done it in, mm-hmm. in the inverted commas, quote, air quotes again, but before we were still under the impression that Giggs was at least kind of having an involvement, having a role to play. And you could maybe see that in the consistency of the of the shape that we chose, etc. And now that that's he's gone in that sense, maybe Rob Page has thought to himself, right, we're going to go four at the back, and he's changing what he putting in a system that he what he thinks he wants to do. So that was the one thing it did make me think. But I, I don't know whether I'm kind of over egging it there. Like, I think we've got to hang on to the the thing that he said, which is he knows pretty much who's going to start against the Swiss, and all of this is mm-hmm. just a, a means to an end as to 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 get minutes in people and i think i think we will start with the five at the back i think the decision is actually as you said somewhere between wilson ramsey and 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 kiefer i think the thing with ramsey is and again they mentioned after the match that he's kind of nursing a bit of a thigh injury so i wonder if the aim is they're going to try and play against switzerland and not use ramsey at all if they need to unless they really need to, sorry, on the basis that that gives him an extra 10 days to kind of recover and manage his injury. And then hopefully you're up against Turkey and Italy with a rare interco Aaron Ramsey. So I think that was the, 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 the what I took from it. But again, I could be could, could you it. imagine a scenario then where it was, say, for argument's sake, Ampadu and Allen holding, and then Wilson, James and Bale forward and then if you need to you're taking Wilson off and bringing Ramsey and Moore on and going to four at the back because you've got to press the game a bit more I think so I uh, yeah and I think we would I think the way that we're approaching it in our minds anyway is that I, I think we've got to try I think they're looking at we've got to win one of the first two games so if it's nil-nil with 10 minutes to go against Switzerland, we'll take the point there. And we won't bother throwing on all the King's horses and all the King's men. We're just, we will take the point because we will go for the win and change how we approach the Turkey game. That's how I think we're shaping up to, to try and approach this. And I think 
as a consequence, like you said, if Kiefer comes on, that will perhaps just change the way we approach that five at the back system and situation compared to if Ramsey comes on as well, that's where we go to four at the back. Because what I would like us to do is play like a four, five, one, I think would suit us best with mm-hmm. with Ampadu, Allen, kind of holders. Ramsey is a genuine 10. And then Bale and James wide of, of more. I think that's the best way. I think that's what suits us the best. Um, but I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think we will do five at the back. I think we will have Nico Williams and Connor Roberts on either side. I think we'll have a back three of Davis, Rodden, and just on the amount of game time he's had, I'd say Mepham. Um, and then, as I said, then the two holders, Ampadu and, and Allen, um, with the three that you suggested there of Wilson, Bale and James. And I think as the tournament progresses, maybe by the third game, Ramsey would replace Wilson, I think, depending on his fitness, and he would be the false nine type person. Um, I see. I'm not convinced with him playing there. I, th- I think he has a tendency to want to be at his best a little bit deeper than that. Um, I think I, I do agree with you. I think we'll end up with three at the back and two, and two wing backs. I think there perhaps has to be some attention paid to how those wing backs can support, assuming it's Ampadu and Allen in the middle, can support those two. Because where we've looked bad recently has where, is, is where we've been outnumbered in the middle. And that's I think that's my biggest concern, is leaving Ampadu and Allen exposed. They're both coming in, you know, below par in terms of their match fitness. Yeah. Um, Ampadu... Other than, um, obviously, Adam Davies, Tom Lockyer and Ben Cabango haven't had any time in these two friendlies. Adam Davies, you can understand that. He's very much the third goalkeeper, it appears. Tom Lockyer is clearly coming back from his injury, and that's one of the reasons why he wasn't in the squad in the first place. Ben Cabango not playing at all, I'm a bit surprised at, but you you can make the point that he was playing last Saturday. For, for Swansea, so he's he's not perhaps as in need of the match fitness as some of the others. Once you take those three out, only Reuben Colwell, um, Matt Smith, and Johnny Williams have played less time than Ampadu. And I thought it was interesting that um, he, he just seemed out of sorts yesterday. And I, I know we were out of shape and we were playing him in a funny position in that funny first half and. You know, perhaps I'm reading things in far more into it, but I actually wonder whether he might be the one that's not ready to be starting yeah, against I Switzerland. I I think that if that was the case, I don't think he would have played yesterday. I think mm-hmm. the reason he looked out of sorts yesterday is he knows he's probably nursing something to an extent and he's not going to try and kill himself in a game that doesn't matter ahead of, you know, the week before the big tournament. I, that's how I approached it. Um, but I, I totally agree with you. He definitely wasn't himself. I thought his passing is, it was off, especially in the first half. Obviously, he was off at half time, but I, I thought his passing was off. Um, he didn't look himself kind of moving around. But again, I take that as he's just easing himself back in and, and getting ready for it. Um, I don't know. I, I think 
you know, overall, I think we've got to be realistic in in what in what we've just kind of seen. There are games that don't matter. The aim was to get minutes in legs. We've done that. You know, we did take control of that Albania game to an extent by the end of it. I think we had almost 60% possession. We had almost twice as many passes as them. And, you know, we did kind of try to take control of the things. Um, I do also think that we struggle against that sort of team as well. I think we prefer teams to kind of either come on to us and we can hit them on the break or we want teams who can kind of press us so that we can use our kind of quick ball control skills mm -hmm. and I think they did neither of those things I think they were happy kind of trying to just make it a bit of a big mi midfield battle and I don't think we do well against those sort of teams we run out of space quite quickly and I think it doesn't suit us so uh, again I just think when you combine all those factors together I mean ultimately it you know it just doesn't matter uh, which I really don't like saying but I think it is is very true of the circumstance. Um, I think, obviously, we've mentioned. Is there anything else? Sorry, you wanted to add on the Albania game? I, I well, I wanted to pick up a point that um, Robert Page made in his press conference about, about Kiefer Moore. He was he was asked about Kiefer Moore's involvement, and his reply was, "If you're winning games of football and playing well, why would you change?" talking about where the Kiefer Moore should be included and started. And that to me just, it seems a little bit back to front because I, I think we play better and um, are coming through in games when we play Kiefer Moore. Yeah. And so that, that was my kind of red flag from the press conference was, well, if, if the assumption is, that we are playing football and playing well without Kiefer Moore, that isn't actually supported in what we in what we've seen on the field recently. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, so I I get the feeling that Paige is seen more as as an alternative and as stir things up in the twenty the last twenty minutes. And part of me thinks that's a fine plan, but I think it's also naive to think that we, without him we've been playing well. We haven't been producing outstanding performances and winning games without a leaning towards his involvement, even if it's not directly as the goal scorer. Yeah, I do know what you're saying. I, I think I would counter that by saying if you're Rob Page, you're looking at the fact that you, you've lost two games in, in eight mm -hmm. to the number one and the number two ranked team in the world. One of those is, to all intents and purposes, an accident because of the re the red card. And it was a friendly. And the other one, you're away in Belgium and you've lost three one. Well, do you know what? Like, I'll, you you can understand that. So maybe there's an element to him. But like, and I'm not. I, I I agree with you in principle. But but I'm saying I think his argument back to you would be mm -hmm. um, that he's only lost two games against the best two teams in the world. So I think I'm pretty happy with what I'm doing. Thanks. So I, it's it's an it's an interesting one, isn't it? I think a lot of it comes from the fact that Wales Welsh fans have changed in the last six, seven years, haven't they? And we're not mm -hmm. watching shit football anymore. We've got kind of used to Gareth Bale scoring worldies and Aaron Ramsey playing like he's Pele with his blonde, you know, his blonde highlights and, you know, and beating Belgium. Do you know, like we, we've, I think there's been a big change in, in, in expectations before the football was awful. 
but we were losing as well. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it doesn't matter whether all you care about is that you're losing, and then you've ch- you've taken you've changed that round. The football starts to get better, but most importantly, you start winning. And all of a sudden, when you start winning, there's a lot of people out there who matter. It matters to them how you play football. And how I couldn't give two shiny shites if we go one nil up in that Belgium in, in the Switzerland game. Sorry, five minutes in. And then the referee says, there's been a change to the rules. <laughs> Wales win the game. I would not be saying, well, it's a shame I didn't get the other 85 minutes. We've won the game. I don't care. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't need to be entertained by this. If we are, great. Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't mind. I, great news if we are. But if we're not and it's boring and we win 1-0, I equally don't care. And I think that's the big thing that I do think some Wales fans, and it's not a negative, I, I do get it. But I think there's a, a be, there is a bit of a shift, whereas now we've started winning. The next step in that kind of uh, on that ladder is I now want to be entertained a little bit as well. And I do think we're we're in in danger of kind of bleeding into that I want to be entertained bit as well. Because if you just look at the results, which is fundamentally all that matters, uh, you know you you can't really make any complaints, can you? No, I'm not. I'm not complaining. I'm saying that I think the results are more dependent on more than perhaps being acknowledged. It's my view. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I, I, what I'm saying is, if you're Rob Page, he would maybe kind of look back at, at that and, and be able to point out different areas where they have done better without him. And like I say, I, I agree with you in principle. I just feel like... What am I trying to say? I think what I'm trying to say is, he is, and we are trying to do the same, I guess, as well, trying to make really quite a complicated situation a black and white yes and and i think that's ultimately what i'm I'm getting at in an incredibly long-winded and probably dull way (laughs) um and i said shiny shites i don't know where that came from um apologies uh any youngsters any youths listening to this podcast um before we move on to the switzerland game um just a, a big thanks to James Evans, who writes for us. You might know him as Galois in France uh, on Twitter. He went to the game, very, very lucky, very, very jealous of him. Uh, and he recorded a few pre-match thoughts. He recorded the anthem and he recorded some post-match thoughts. So we thought it might be quite nice to kind of get some live thoughts from the ground as it happened. So here are James's thoughts. Thanks again, James. Alright guys, James here, Galois in France, just sitting outside the stadium before going in for the game. A uh, bit of a weird feeling actually being here and it feels like uh, feels like Christmas Day, definitely. After finally waiting for so long, a bit now being able to get back in the stadium. But um, quick preview, um, just hopefully I've seen some goals to be honest. It's a bit like the start of the Euros in 20, 2016. Um, when all we wanted was to see a goal. Obviously, we don't want to see Albania score, and um, on our past defensive displays, I'm hopeful of that not happening. But let's not forget when we got beaten 1-0 away against Albania last time, um, we don't want a repeat of that. So I'm hopeful of either a 1-0 or a 2-0 win for Wales. Let's hope so. See you later.
thought at full time. Um, overly disappointed, I think. Um, so disappointed not to see a goal today. It's what everyone probably wanted to see before the game. But uh, it was a good opportunity for a run out. I can't, I can't remember how many players got on the pitch, but um, it seemed as if the whole side was changed come the end of the 90 minutes. Good performances for some players, not for others. Disappointed Ethan Ampadu. Um, he seemed to really lack confidence today for some reason. Um, but, uh, but Tyler Roberts as well, for some reason. He just didn't seem to take that opportunity. He was playing the false nine alongside Rambo. It was really difficult to understand what they were doing. There was no number nine in the first half. And it was so frustrating to watch that to see the Albanian defence push up so high... And we couldn't deal with it. And there was no one really pressing them, putting pressure on. And when we got the ball into midfield, there was no one to play it to. And Tyler Roberts, in my opinion, um, was at fault for that. It was an opportunity for him to play the number nine and really thrash out a place in that squad, in that in that starting eleven. And he didn't take it, in my opinion. It's not a question of him not getting on the ball. It's a question of position on the pitch and a want to really do well. Um, Kiefer Moore... The changes in the second half was absolutely fantastic. It changed the game. We all know, we all know it does when Kiefer Moore comes on. He really changes it up. Johnny Williams, fantastic performance. Harry Wilson, I could name all the players that came on, I think. Um, they all all played well. It's a shame, nil-nil, but we'll take that going into the Euros. Full of confidence now. Bring on Switzerland. Thank you for that, James. I don't know about you, Ruth, but I very much enjoyed uh, the second half of James's rendition of the of the national anthem. There, I thought he held the last note. I, w- I was going to say beautifully. Beautifully is probably a stretch, but he held the last note better than I would have. So, so well done. I thought he, I thought he did very, very well. Particularly, know he was knowing he was recording himself. Actually, I'm not <laughs> sure I'd have been that brave. <laughs> well, thank thanks again, James, uh, for that. And again, very jealous that you've got to go to the match. Um, to look ahead at the Switzerland game, then. Um, we I've obviously told you how I would like to start uh, with the four-five-one. I don't think we will do that. I think it'll be the five-three-two, five-two-three. Sorry that I mentioned before, but I'm just intrigued to know what you would start with. You mentioned the four-three-three, and and how you think we'll start. I th- I think we'll start with the five-two-three. Um, I think if it's possible to play it more as a sort of three-four-three as it were, with, with a, a little more sort of acknowledgement of the midfield role needed by the wing-backs, I would be more comfortable with that. I think it's a, it's a notional kind of tweak, um, but I, I think that helps whoever the holding pair end up being. I suppose we're assuming it's Ampadu and Allen at this point. Yeah. Um, the Swiss tend to play in a 3-4-2-1 formation, so... Um, they do ironically have a, a kind of striker with two two playing off him. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think 
given they've got a sort of three-month central defense, a sort of three up front, as it were. I think if we if we can mirror that, that's probably our best scenario. Yeah, I found it interesting that they they drew with the USA. Uh, sorry, they beat the USA. Sorry, two one in that mm-hmm. kind of formation that you mentioned there, and they played Liechtenstein one seven nil. 36 shots, which I thought was absolutely terrific, um, and kind of played in that kind of similar formation as well. So, as you mm-hmm. said, I'd be pretty confident that that's, that's how they will go. Um, I think I think they are an interesting side. I see a lot of us in them, if I'm perfectly honest. Um, I think they've got some talented players. I think they've got some players who might give us a chance. Um, and I think they've got some interesting players as well, like their striker... I'm sure you're going to say this wrong, but Gavranovic, I think, uh, he's got really quite a good scoring record. He's he's he scored a hat trick, admittedly, against Liechtenstein the other day. But he's got quite an interesting record. He's, he scores every other game for Switzerland um, so far. He scored pretty much 40 goals in 85 games for Dynamo Zagreb since he's been there. Um, so I think you know they have actually got a little bit of of kind of variety up front beyond the obvious, like um, obviously Shakiri and Babu is another one who played for Newcastle actually ironically. So I know a little bit about him. He's he's a very talented player, I think. So yeah, they're they're quite an interesting side. And like I said, I think very similar to us. Yeah, they they play with you know pushing up a left or a right um, wing back. They'll also even send their centre backs. If they if they feel they're on the front foot, the, the central midfield is strong. Um, like I said, they usually play with a striker and then two either side, including Shakiri, obviously. And um, they, I can see why we played France because their kind of front foot pressing that the Swiss do is very is very similar. Um, they uh, looking at the at the I watched the U.S. game. Um, they created quite a, a lot from corners, uh, so I think that's something we'll have to be mindful of. Um, but, but they also looked quite rushed at times. I think the US had them spinning and turning quite a lot. Um, the defence for the, the first goal was um, scored by Leggett, and it was a lovely feed into him, but there was no closing down of, the, and I can't remember who it was now, but there was no closing down of the player that was threading it through to him. Um, and so I think I think they've got a sort of mistake in them. They've got a momentary lapse in them. Um, the Swiss definitely made them work. The, their front sort of five were hard on the Swiss, particularly in the first kind of 30 to 40 minutes and, and really had them kind of, like I said, spinning a bit. Um, Western McKenney running at them caused caused alarms, and that you know you think you can imagine Dan James doing that, for example, and um, and, and us getting some joy there. Um, they're clearly a very well organised and kind of stable team, if that makes sense, Dave. They've they've been together in this formation for for quite a while now, and I think I think um, in some respects that might make them, I think, predictable is an unfair word but it, it i think we know what we're getting into um it's it's is there enough about us that can keep them that can work them a bit i think in both with and without the ball i think we have to use our speed um and 
ensure that their pressing doesn't keep, we don't just keep going backwards. I think uh, one of the things that we saw in in the first part of the France game was us using the, uh, Daniel James down, down the wing and using his pace. And I, I can see that, like I said, being really important in this game. Yeah, I think they are a, a team that isn't the fastest. I think, like obviously, Xhaka will play in midfield. He's not. He's not the quickest. I agree that running at them will was something that they won't like, um, and will work for them. Um, I think ultimately, I think we'll cancel each other out. I, I think this is set to be quite a dour game. If anyone wins it, I think it'll be by the odd goal. Um, I think what you've said is spot on about how they're mistaking them. Obviously, I've watched Fabian Share uh, play for Newcastle this season, and you know he's a very talented player with a ball at his feet. He does like to come and run out of defence. But he also can, he absolutely loves switching off. Um, so <laughs> I think that is something that we can play on. And like you said, they're, they're a threat from set pieces. I also think that, again, because of Cher, and, and I don't know about others, but he, again, can get kind of distracted, if you like, at corners as well. And I think that will be an interesting one for us um, because I think that's something where we can benefit. Because, I mean, just going back briefly, I did think at the, at the Albania game, our set pieces were dire. We couldn't seem mm-hmm. to beat the first man. So having, you know, having that improved on is definitely going to be a priority here. But I think, like I said before, I think we're quite two very quite even teams. I think we will kind of cancel each other out. Um, Shakiri's the danger man, really, though, isn't he? Let's be honest. Y- yes, um, I think they. he's a little talismanic for them so i think also if we can kind of keep him marshaled um there's there's pluses for us for us there uh but they're you know they're a good team uh i think i think their ranking is 13th at the minute and you know you don't you're not in that position without there being something something about you yeah um, I mean, I, I just wanted to know as well how you're kind of feeling about it all because it feels quite surreal. I'm, I'm obviously, I'm definitely excited. It's weird not going. It's weird being like, I'm, I'm sure it's a similar thing for you. It's weird being in the Netherlands, and I'm sure it's you know similar thing for you. Uh, what are you? Where are you going to watch it? Have you thought about what you're going to do? It's actually a six a.m. kickoff here. Oh. <laughs> so I, I might be, I might be in my pajamas watching the game. <laughs> Well, there you go. There's 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 a terrifying thought for all the for all the listeners. Um, what, so, so what, yeah, so I'm I'm definitely not going anywhere. I mean, I think um, there is a chance for. I'm trying to remember. I think the Turkish game is on at a slightly more reasonable time. Like it's yeah, I think the Turkey game will be ten o'clock for you. I think ten o'clock in the morning or something. So I might I might see if there's some bars that will accommodate that. But um, I don't think I'll be going anywhere beyond the beyond the TV yeah. here for uh, for the Swiss game certainly. But it does feel it. I mean, I'm getting excited in in that sense. But it's a weird one, isn't it? And yeah, I think uh, I, d- I don't think we can. I I think I mean Mark Evans made the point on the podcast we had with him a couple of weeks ago that. It, everything was always going to be different than 2016 and in some respects perhaps i mean nobody would want it to be different because of these circumstances but but i think it might not be a bad thing for us as a kind of football community that it's going to be so different because i I think it makes it easier to kind of sort of separate the aspirations between the two events because they're just 
such different beasts. Yeah, no, I, I, I do get that. And it is going to be weird. I'm. There's some weird rules in the Netherlands at the moment. The Dutch love a rule. And <laughs> they have said that they are not... No bars are allowed to show. So we've just started... We've only just been allowed to go back in bars. On Saturday, yesterday, we were allowed back in for the first time. Um, but they've said that they are you, you are not to show any of the Netherlands games during Euro 2020. Um, but they've not mentioned whether you're allowed to show other games. So the, the the girls who work at the pub down the road from us have said, well, as far as I'm concerned, we've been told that we can't show the Netherlands game. So if you want to come watch the Wales game, that is not the Netherlands game. We've just got to hope that they don't play the <laughs> Netherlands, um, uh, which I obviously do. So I think, yeah, so I'm going to watch. I think there's a, there's, a, a, there's an Irish bar in, in the city that has got like big screens outside. So I think there's a few of us. There's um, a, a guy who who I work with, Ant. I don't know if he listens. Actually, if you do, hi, Ant. He's a he's a Newcastle fan, and he's a, and he's a Welshman. So um, he also is got the double whammy of misery for most of his football supporting career. So yeah. So I think there's a few of us, him included, who are going to go to the this Irish bar in town and watch it on the big screens there. Um, I think I'm going to go to my local pub here, the Cock, um, for the Turkey game. I haven't quite decided what I'm going to do for the for the Rome game. I still have a ticket, and technically, at the moment, if I wanted to, I I could actually. I think I can go to Rome. I need a PCR test, and I would. The rules in the Netherlands state that you don't have to quarantine. It's advised that you quarantine when you return. So technically, I could go and not have to quarantine when I got back. I just don't feel particularly comfortable doing that. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I haven't quite decided what to do yet, and they're changing the rules on the 14th of June. So uh, that's obviously the Monday, I think, after after the first game. So I'm hoping that by then I'll have, if they can, if please, if someone, if, if, if Mark <laughs> Rutter is listening to this, please, mate, make it, make it a yellow country and then I can go. Because um, we have a four-tiered system here in, in, in the Netherlands, obviously desperate to be different. So um, anyway... Uh, that's that's my plan. I am excited. It is just very very different, and I do think a lot of it from for me anyway. I thought I was going to be at home or at least able to travel, and I had plans with my mates to go to Rome and you know watching you know flying back home for the weekend to watch matches that sort of thing, and that's obviously not the case anymore. So it is it is very very different. It is. Um, I think the whole process is different. I think we we've got sort of. <laughs> different aspirations as well haven't we and different expectations yeah, um i mean i know five years ago when we were chatting before the bordeaux game that you know we were like a lot of people just looking forward to having a goal to cheer and we, we yeah. probably would have walked, walked away happy with that um and now we find ourselves in a very tough group it's the only group where all four teams are in the top 30 rankings um you know, being third in this group might not be enough. Yeah. Uh, it's, 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 it's a really difficult, the whole sort of picture is really difficult. And I think, um, I think at this point, we've just got to try and kick back and enjoy it as best we can. It's yeah, going to be strange. It. It's going to be weird, but you know, Wales are in a tournament. That's, we should be smiling and just oh, yeah. getting on with it. 
Yeah, I can't wait. I've I've booked the day off work every after every game so far, um, and I've even gambled that we'll go to the last sixteen. So I've got I've got the Monday off work there as well, just in case because you never know. Um, so I'm gonna be uh, yeah. I'm you know I'm just excited about the whole thing. It is going to be different. It is going to be weird. Um, so someone posted on Twitter the other day that uh, what do you have a game that you regret going to? And I kind of thought about it and I replied and said. You know, I'm, I'm sure you remember, you know, Emin and Aaron about whether, whether you know, should we do Bordeaux, what should I do, who's going, who's not, kind of, is it, can I get there in time on the Saturday and all this other stuff, kind of Emin and Aaron, Emin and Aaron. And the irony is, obviously, I didn't go, and I do regret that to an extent, because obviously it was fantastic, but the flip side of that, Ruth, is that obviously, you know, we would question whether Coleman had a dream would have even started <laughs> if, you, if, if you hadn't come out on that day with us as well. So it is... Very much a sliding doors moment for the, the world. Slide, it uh, was a sliding doors moment for us, wasn't it? Yeah. It was, yeah. And, yeah. And obviously the, the the world of Welsh football podcasting has obviously <laughs> been revolutionised um, since that day. So, yeah, can't can't complain. Um, no, I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, we obviously have a lot to talk about uh, over the Euros, so I just wanted to kind of fill fill everyone in on what's going what's coming up from us. We've got a new Gamer Willard International Football Magazine Euro special coming out this week. Um, not in t- not a hundred percent sure on the day yet, but Tuesday, Wednesday, it'll definitely be out by then, um, and that's going to last throughout the whole Euros. We've got match previews, um, we've got um, predictions from from a variety of different people. Um, we've got some great articles in there from some of our contributors, contributors. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot to to look forward to in there. Um, Craig King has done a great preview of the Switzerland game for us. He's a well-respected Swiss journalist and knows a lot about Swiss football. So thank you, Craig, for that. And you can see his article in uh, the Game Olad magazine, which, again, like I say, is going to be the uh, preview for that game. So there's lots of great stuff coming up there. And Ruth also has something great to share with us, as you mentioned before, about the ahead of the Turkey game. Yeah, so I had the pleasure of interviewing um, Armut Turget. Uh, probably about 10 days ago now, uh, people might know him as at Turkish Soccer. Uh, and Armour has, again, has been writing on Turkish football for a, for a long time. Uh, he has been a correspondent for the Turkish Daily News, for example. He's now based here in, in the US, like me. Um, so he and I chatted through his, his impressions of the squad. Uh, we'll add that um, audio to the, to the end of this podcast so people can s- start to get a feel of of uh, of the group that Turkey are, are pulling from. They've had a very positive uh, last kind of six months or so of their, their footballing lives. Um, and then obviously you and I will will preview the, the game a bit more next weekend. Once they've played Italy, we've played Switzerland and we're, it's all a little bit clearer what everybody needs yeah. out of the second round of games. Yeah, absolutely. So here is Ruth's interview. Thank you again for your time. Um, I was hoping we could start the discussion by looking at just the current state of play of Turkish football, where where you feel the international team is. um, Are they on an upswing, a downswing? What's your just sort of gut reaction of of where Turkey is at the minute? First of all, Ruth, thank you very much for inviting me to your program, your podcast. So, uh, as far as your question, Turkish national team, as you, a lot of people that follow the Euro 2020, uh, that just announced 30 uh, roster uh, for the camp in Antalya. And uh, this, the second camp 
when they go to second camp in uh, Germany, that uh, roster will probably reduce to 26 players. And um, looking at the, uh, the roster uh, right now, as um, we have Cenk Tosuna is not on the roster. As you know, that he was injured during the play when he was playing for uh, Besiktas. Also, uh, Ozan Kabak, uh, the player, was on loan to Liverpool, and he's also injured. He will not w uh, be with the team. And uh, we look at the 30 roster that is in Antalya, Turkey right now. Uh, uh, as you know, the coach of Channel Ganesh picked this team. There's a lot of young uh, names in this team. Looking at uh, starting from goalkeepers, we have very bright goalkeepers that will uh, make a difference in goal. And uh, there's also very experienced goalkeeper that played for the last year defending champions for Başakşehir, Matt, uh, Matt Günok. Uh, but uh, Altay Bayinder, who plays for Fenerbahçe, good young keeper. But I think Urjan Çakır, probably the best goalkeeper this season in the Turkish Super League as a Turkish national uh, player. I think Urjan uh, Ur Çakır will start for uh, the first game against, uh, uh, against Italy, the opening match for Euro 2020. But Şenol uh, Güneş might decide with going with experienced goalkeeper too. So it is right now, it is up to Channel Ganesh if he wants to put an experienced goalkeeper against Italy or uh, use Urjan Cheka. On defense, you have a lot of players. One thing in Turkish national team, you have a lot of young players that plays in Europe, uh, European teams like Zeki Çelik. Uh, you have three players that plays for the French League, Lille team. Uh, Zeki Çelik is one of the uh, good players that plays uh, on defense. Chalar Surinju plays for uh, Le uh, Leicester City. Uh, we have Khan Aylan, uh, Ayhan. Merih Demiral plays for uh, Juventus. So on defense, I don't think there should be any problem along with uh, this young star, Cengiz Umut Maraş, uh, Maraş that plays in Euro uh, Europe also. So pretty much on defense, all of the defense players play in Europe. So as Channel Gunesh has to pick at least probably uh, four of these uh, defensive players uh, for going into a Euro 2020. Looking at the, the midfield, the midfield is probably the star of the midfield will be Yusuf Yazıcı, who plays also in the French League for Lille. And you have um, Ozan Tufan plays for um, uh, Fenerbahce team. Thailand Antalya, who who's a young, bright star, plays for Galatasaray. And uh, last but not least, Hakan Chalhanoğlu, who plays for AC Milan. Uh, another very, very good uh, midfield player. So there's a lot of names in the uh, midfield section. I didn't even mention Okay Yokuşlu and Irfan Can Kahveci, who was transferred from Başakşehir to Fenerbahçe. But uh, Şenol Güneş has to uh, make some choices on that midfield because they're looking at, uh, there's at least uh, 
nine, 10 players that he picked for midfield. So he's going to reduce those midfields as he goes into the final roster, 26 players. On the forward, uh, Brock Yumas, who has been sensational in uh, playing for uh, Lille team in Fran uh, French League, probably the best uh, player right now uh, in uh, French League, if you ask me. And Cengiz Ünder, and uh, you have um, Kenan Karaman. You have to, uh, I think, uh, when you ask me about that, who will be the surprise uh, player this uh, in Euro tournament, Kenan Karaman with his long shots, very powerful shots, and he should be, along with Brock Yilmaz, should be a uh, uh, good player, good connection for Turkish national team. Do you do the Turkish team tend to play with a set formation, Ahmet, or is it a bit more fluid than that? Is it tend Let to be? Me, uh, I think back? if you ask that question, uh, uh, if you ask that question to Channel Gunesh, Channel Gunesh philosophy is he will get ready for each team a different uh, formation, and I'm sure playing against. Uh, Italy, the opening match, and he will have more defensive style uh, team against Italy because being the first match, opening match, uh, I think it's uh, Channel Ganesh would rather have a point than win uh, Italy because starting with uh, one point, uh, you know, uh, to the this uh, uh, group uh, stage, it will be good for him. And you never know with the Connor attacks, uh, players like uh, Brock Yilmaz, uh, Cengiz Ünder, and um, Kenan Karaman. We also have very young players that will come in. Uh, uh, they in the Turkish uh, national team roster first time. He might even use those players like players like Halil Akbunar and uh, Halil Ibrahim Dervişoğlu from Galatasaray team. They're very powerful players, young players. They like to run. Uh, so it is up to, I think, Channel uh, Ganesh. But I think the way that I see it, the way that uh, he's talking to the media uh, so far, I think he's going to go for a tie against Italy. So you look for more defensive uh, side of uh, Turkish national team playing against Italy. So when we look at how they'll play against Wales, you'd expect them to play more expansively looking for three points against us? Well, first of all, I think the outcome, the score uh, from Italy match will uh, be the decided on that. If they lose that match going into Wales game and Wales game will be uh, playing in Baku. So they, the team, both teams has to travel. And so I think they will probably uh, be in uh, scoring mode and in this two matches, I think the midfield is very important too for Turkish national team, for Channel Ganesh, because if you have a strong midfield, I think some of those players that play for in the midfield, they're attacking midfields, uh, fielders. So it will make a huge difference in uh, Wales game. And yes, you could uh, see an open uh, going forward, the Turkish national team in the Wales match. I think we may end up with the same mindset because I think 
we would probably settle for a draw from the Swiss game as well and then look to win this game. Um, right. And, and then just take our chances against Italy come, you know, come the final game. Looking at some highlights from some recent matches, um, at the, the, the Turkish midfield in particular seemed um, very attack-minded and very open to shots on goal, you know, take your chances, push on. Is, is that um, like a, is that your sort of normal style of play or is that something that's developing? Well, that's his uh, goal. Uh, if, uh, if you look at the players uh, in uh, the midfield, Zeki Çelik, Çalar Söyüncü, and Merih Demiral, these names that I mentioned, they will definitely will be, uh, you know, um, will be more of attacking. And you have Yusuf Yazıcı, that is very uh, good uh, uh, player that he, he could take shots outside the uh, 18 yard line. So yes, uh, definitely. And Ozan Tufan, you have two powerful players that in the midfield, Ozan Tufan and Yusuf Yazıcı, along with the defense players that I just mentioned a little while ago, they are, um, because if you look at the Turkish team, left fullback and right fullback, they're very strong coming out and uh, uh, going into a uh, forward position. So that will be, I think it will be different in each game. You will see this more <clears throat> against uh, Wales and not so much against Italy. And I think they will play more uh, uh, flexible and more relaxed against Italy and not to counterattack that much. And But uh, in the Wales games, you will see uh, midfield uh, players going uh, towards the forward line and uh, and uh, getting shots outside the 18-yard line, which, you know, Yusuf, as I mentioned to you, Yusuf Yazıcı and Ozan Tufan, they're uh, very good <coughs> taking shots outside the box. Yeah, and good at set pieces as well, I was looking. I think we might, that might be another area of strength for you. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, uh, set plays... I know that they work on the set plays and the practices, but sometimes when you step on that field, on that pitch, sometimes things don't go your way. So I think it's up to, it's up to Chanel Ganesh to manage that team from the sideline and read the play because until you step on that pitch and just like uh, uh, the first match, Italy and their defensive play, uh, team too. So, it's going to be a war game, the first match, the opening match, because I think Italy, Italy's defense very strong. And uh, we'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, in the second match, I think that you will see a very good competition between uh, Wales and Turkey going into a uh, second match. And that would be probably the decided for both teams. Yeah, if you look at the first match's results, if Turkey and Wales ends up in tie in their first match, you will see um, probably whoever wins this match uh, and probably will have a shot in second place. And that's why it's very important after the first matches, if Turkey loses uh, first match against Italy, and if they tie uh, against Wales, 
their shots for uh, going into a next round will be zero. So I think the second match against Wales, very important. Also, it's, it will be a very important for your team, Wales. So it, I think the, uh, the match of the group, if you ask me, rather than playing before uh, Switzerland and uh, for Turkey, I think because you guys are going to be playing uh, your first match against Switzerland. So it, it, it is do or die match uh, will be uh, that second match against Wales for Turkey. I do wanted to, to chat about the, the location a little bit, because obviously at the moment, um, it looks like very few Wales fans will be able to go to Baku. But I'm presuming that quite a lot of Turkish fans will be able to go is there hope that you can turn it into a sort of home game or is it looking unlikely for the Turkish fans as well? Oh, yeah. If you uh, Baku is full of with uh, Turkish national uh, Turkey, uh, Turkish people mm-hmm. and uh, and people in that country will probably root for Turkey. But the thing is, I think uh, there's only 30 uh, percent. They will allow to, uh, fans to come into the stadium. If uh, uh, they they're not going to be a full house in that stadium, so thirty uh, percent of that stadium, I, I mean there will be a couple thousands uh, Turkish fans in there, maybe more. That will make a difference, and I'm sure uh, there will be a few uh, Wales uh, fans there too. And I, uh, you know, when you talk about football people will travel a long ways to watch their favorite national team. So I think uh, the fan factor, it will be on the Turkey side. But the thing is, it is the, what's important is what you put on, on the pitch. So that day, if Turkey, I mean, Turkey did not do good uh, in the friendly matches. As uh, Speaking of friendly matches, Turkey will play about three matches before going into this tournament. They will play against Azerbaijan and uh, uh, North Ireland and also Moldova. And so those matches, uh, I think pretty much Shannel Ganesh will see how his team's going to look for the first match for and for the tournament. So, like I said, a Turkish national team has young uh, players and they don't have those uh, players that used to be a star, like Emre Belazolo and Arda Turan. This is a new generation that Chanel Ganesh formed, and hopefully this will take many years to uh, get a, uh, them connected with each other. But I can tell you this, I think the players that will make the f- difference on this team so far the goalkeepers, the who's going to be playing. Also players on the midfield, like uh, Yusuf Yazıcın and Brock Yilmaz, Kenan Karaman, uh, Karaman, and Ozan Tufan. Now, the problem with Ozan Tufan, he's not uh, good for 90 minutes because a, a lot of people, and I even said this many times, his weight, it, he still is a little bit overweight. He will not uh, last for 90 minutes in the midfield. So, Shalom Gunesh in the midfield, if he uses Ozan Tufan, 
he has to make some changes along every match. So, for example, one of our strengths recently, somewhat unexpectedly, is Wales being in the last 10 to 15 minutes of a game and score and scoring late and winning games late. So it sounds like that situation in the midfield might, might benefit us. I, I think so, because uh, if you look at the Turkish national team, they, although they do have comeback matches, it, is, it will be up to uh, Chanel Güneş to use this roster against uh, Wales, even though Turkish national team has some matches that uh, they came back from uh, losing and winning. Uh, so, like I said, it will be up to Channel Ganesh to use how to use the midfield players in uh, uh, in the match against Wales. So, as you as you said, Wales is very uh, physical team, and they're very powerful physically, and uh, it, it, they will probably uh, work on that uh, when that second uh, match comes against Wales. Looking at something a little different, Ahmed, who is a fan favourite? Who, who amongst the supporters is the player that, that people sort of hold in their hearts? I mean, before they had the people, uh, you know, the former players were uh, fan favourites. Right now, if you look at the team and you got to understand one thing, the big three Istanbul clubs, if you ask, the Besiktas fans, they will always say uh, the name of the Besiktas player that who's on uh, Besiktas roster, I mean, and the Turkish national roster. If you ask the Fenerbahce player, uh, uh, Fenerbahce fans, they will uh, say Fenerbahce player that who's on Turkish national team. The same way with Galatasaray fans. Uh, they will say Galatasaray player. Yeah. So even though uh, Burak Yilmaz played for all these teams. He's probably the uh, second player that played for Trabzonspor, Fenerbahce, Galatasaray, and Besiktas. After Sergen Yalçın, the coach of Besiktas who won the Turkish uh, Super League uh, uh, title this year. So I think Burak Yilmaz right now is probably uh, fans' uh, favorite. But you have uh, players like Ozan Tufan and um, Yusuf Kezici there's a lot of uh, young uh, players that on this roster will be the, uh, uh, you know, after how they do against, especially uh, in this uh, group stage. Uh, players like um, Kenan Karaman, I really like him. He plays for in Germany, uh, even though he plays for second uh, division team. He is very good. I think most likely he will be transferring to one of the big teams in Turkey in uh, in very coming uh, few years. It might be this coming season too. You never know. But players like uh, uh, Miri Temiral, very good player that plays for um, uh, Juventus. Um, so, I mean, there, there's many, many uh, players, but I think I would say Brock Yilmaz at this point. Okay. And if you had to... Um talk about your the aspirations for the tournament how are how are the Turkish fans feeling in terms of how you far you can go in the tournament well uh, uh listening to people on uh, twitter on clubhouse and looking at and 
Turkish national team, uh, there's Turkish fans saying that they have a chance going up in this group. And one thing uh, about uh, Turkish national team going to a next round, getting out of this group, the chances right now, it's 50-50. It is all up to uh, the first match, how they do it. And you got to remember another thing that a lot of these uh, European, uh, the players that played in European leagues, they did not come to the, uh, the camp yet is in uh in Antalya they're still playing matches and the second factor first time this season because of the COVID and because of other reasons because of the Turkish government decision they had 42 weekend matches first time because as you know Turkish Super League played with 21 uh, uh teams this uh, season that was a huge factor uh every team uh, played uh, three matches in eight days. Can you imagine? So pretty much all the players are pretty tired. I don't know what the situation in Wales in your league. So it the tiredness on the players, it is a big factor. It is up to Şenol uh, Güneş, the coach of Turkish national team, to uh, recuperate this uh, players in the Turkish national team and get it ready for the first match, at least. As I said before, the first match, opening match against Italy is very important. And the second match will be uh, important than the first match, whatever is the outcome comes out of that first match. But I'm still thinking a tie will be very good for Turkish national team uh, in Rome against Italy. Yes, I agree. I think if we can if we can both go into this second game with some points, even if it's draws, then this becomes a bit of a shootout game, doesn't it? As we as we've said already, um, I'm with you though. I think it's a very difficult group. I think that the chances of even getting a third place team out of this group are quite are quite slim, unfortunately. It's going to be tough. Yeah. yeah. Realistically, we talked about it. Italy, Switzerland. Uh, they're two top contenders. Uh, who will be the dark horse in this group? Like you said, it will be Wales up uh, between Wales and Turkey. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think ultimately our fate might not be determined by this group. It might be determined by what's happening in the in the other groups because of the the complications with the third place. Uh, some of the third place teams right. getting through and, right. and others not, unfortunately. Right. I'm conscious of the time. Right. I think I've kept, I think I've kept you long enough. <laughs> I've really appreciated this. No, that's okay. I'm very uh, delightful to talk to you. Uh, nice to uh, talk to you and nice to meet you, Ruth. I hope we could do this after the match, that, uh, yeah. after Wales match and talk about the match, what happened. And, uh, you know, I wish uh, you, your team, uh, a lot of luck and hope, both of us go into a Nectron, get out of the group, but it will be impossible because uh, we have to talk the real Well, thank you for that. Uh, that was really interesting, insightful conversation. I think a lot of people are kind of, a lot of people, some people are talking about tur- tur- Turkey being perhaps even dark horses for the tournament itself. They, they seem to have quite an exciting side. They, they're definitely on the rise, I, I think. Um, and, and, and as you 
you know, you can hear from Armour, so they're, they're really kind of targeting the game with us as the key game for them. It, as we were discussing, it's clearly going to be something pivotal for, for both teams. So um, it'll be interesting to see if they can, you know, snatch anything from the from the Italy game, obviously how we do against Switzerland, and that's it's obviously going to change everybody's thinking ahead of that, that second round. Yeah, and I think, you know, they're two tough opening games, aren't they? I mean, you know, the Swiss have been on a good, on a pretty good run um, of late, got some kind of creditable results, I think, in the last in the last round of the Nations League, um, some kind of weird results to go with that as well. Um, they lost to Ukraine, but they drew with Germany, home and away. Um, the second game they had, they were down to 10 men, and they drew with Spain uh, with 10 men as well. Um, so, you know, in, in terms of kind of things we've shared with them in that sense, um, there is some similarities there. We, we both played Bulgaria not so long ago, um, both beat them. Uh, they beat Finland 3-2 as well recently. Obviously, we've beaten three, Finland 3-1. So I do think we're kind of two very kind of similarly matched sides. And I think these the games against those three, us, Switzerland and Turkey, are going to go a long way to decide what, what happens in the rest of the group. Because I think Italy will probably win every game. Um, I don't want to go too far down the predictions rabbit hole, Ruth, um, as we've got a long time to kind of prove ourselves wrong, as we so regularly do. <laughs> so I don't really want to set that stall out too soon. However, I'm going to ask you a couple of quick-fire questions, Ruth. I intentionally not prepped you on this, just so I get your instinctive mm. reactions, you see. So I want, I want quick results, no thinking which is probably how I do this anyway, so this this, this, sec this segment of the show will suit me down to the ground. Um, so, first question, are we going to get out of the group, yes or no? You're rubbish at the no I, thinking here. I'm rubbish. No, no, I'm... I, my fear is that we're going to end up third in the group and it not be enough. We, we could draw all three games... And that not be enough to get out of the group. The flip side of that and is, I, though, we could draw all three games and it is enough because the, we'd be on zero goal difference effectively, wouldn't we? And I think that is... Yeah, was but zero, if you look back at Euro 16, the, the sides that didn't make it out in third place had three points, but zero goal difference. Those were the two that didn't make oh, it really? out. Oh, really? Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, that quick um, question went well. So I have... So, but in my heart, I have to say, yeah, of course we will. Yeah, okay, well, of course we will. <laughs> that was that. That was quick. Um, so, uh, oh, you've thrown me off. What was the second question? My second question is: Will we beat Switzerland? Yes or no? I think if I'm predicting, I'm going for a one-one draw. How far will we get? Quicker. I. Th I think a huge I think a huge amount depends on assuming you've obviously made it out of the group is where where you've fallen because if we're third then we're playing whoever's won that incredible group that's got um yeah. what is it France and Germany and Portugal in it so I got that is that the right combination that is right yeah the poor Hungarian the poor Hungarians um and I can't see anything happening if we if we come across the winner of, yeah. of that group um i think i would be incredibly pleased with last 16 actually oh, yeah. all things considered incredibly pleased yeah um, i think so too 
I think to be honest, as long as as long as we put a good foot forward in the group stages, if we do end up third and it comes down to some weird goal difference thing, I don't think it's the end of the world. I've, I'm I'm still I've, I'm long enough in the tooth to still be incredibly amazed and joyful that we're even in these tournaments. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think I think we'll get to the last 16 and then after that it's a lottery my my overall prediction is i think we'll come second in the group i think we'll end up playing the netherlands in the quarterfinals and probably lose to the dutch is my is my take on things but you know like you said i i i almost don't care i just think it's amazing that we're there i'm so excited to have the opportunity can't wait for next saturday to sing the anthem and have a few drinks and probably cry the usual um i think I think the Switzerland game is either going to be nil-nil or one-nil. I think it's going to be a very tight game. Um, it's just, yeah, I think it's a really tough group. I think it's tough to call. I do think we've got a chance against the Turks. I, I, they do concede goals, and I do think that that you know, I do think we've got a chance. I do think we've got a chance against them. And what I really, I kind of part of me wants, and part of me doesn't want, is I kind of don't want to go into that Italy game knowing we need something. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. that'll scare me quite a lot, but I, I don't know. Like I said, I'm just excited. I'm just looking forward to it. It is a bit weird. It is a bit different. But Wales are in the Euros, and I and I, you know, I didn't think that would happen once in my lifetime, let alone twice. So I'm I'm just super excited for the for the whole thing, really. Yep, can't disagree with that. <laughs> right. Well, on that note. Uh, thank you very very much for listening. Um, we obviously just can, rem- can we just mention. Sorry. Dave, that we're, we're conscious that there's been a lot of other things going on in Welsh football this week, and it's not that we've forgotten about them. We, we'll we'll come back and kind of recap wider Welsh football once with the other side, the Euros, whenever that is. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're very aware, obviously, Newport of the of the situation in the women's Welsh leagues, um, lots and lots of other things. So we are going to kind of loop back, as as Ruth says. Um, just we've got a. We've we've got you know another great three or four weeks to come up, so that's 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 where we're looking. Um, yeah, so just thanks for listening, everybody. Um, as I say, new game Olad is going to be out this week. Please, if you haven't already had a look over at Cymru One Fifty, to please go and have a look at Cymru One Fifty dot com for some of our prints. Um, uh, and as I say, thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed. Thank you to everyone who's contributed. Um, we were going to be back after the opening game against Switzerland to do a review. We will also do in that time a quick preview of the turkey game as well so again thank you for listening and goodbye bye bye